acid indigestion. Both models are true. It takes time for a rusting iron-framed building to collapse, but the rust is ceaselessly powdering the solid, thinning it, eviscerating it. The collapse, no matter how abrupt it may feel, is the cumulative consequence of decay. Major depression is a birth and a death. It is both the new presence of something and the total disappearance of something. The birth and death that constitute depression occur at once. I returned not long ago to a wood in which I had played as a child, and saw an oak a hundred years dignified in whose shade I used to play with my brother. In twenty years a huge vine had attached itself to this confident tree and had nearly smothered it. It was hard to say where the tree left off and the vine began. Fresh from a major depression, I empathized with that tree. My depression had grown on me as that vine had conquered the oak. It had been a sucking thing that had wrapped itself around me, ugly and more alive than I. It had had a life of its own that bit by bit asphyxiated all of my life out of me. At the worst stage of major depression, I had moods that I knew were not my moods. They belonged to the depression as surely as the leaves on that tree's high branches belonged to the vine. I felt myself sagging under what was much stronger than I, depleted by this thing that was crushing me without holding me. I was not strong enough to stop breathing. I knew then that I could never kill this vine of depression, and so all I wanted was for it to let me die. But it had taken from me the energy I would have needed to kill myself, and it would not kill me. If my trunk was rotting, this thing that fed on it was now too strong to let it fall. It had become an alternative support to what it had destroyed. This is the presence of major depression. I have said that depression is both a birth and a death. The vine is what is born. The death is one's own decay, the cracking of the branches that support this misery. The first thing that goes is happiness— You cannot gain pleasure from anything. That's famously the cardinal symptom of major depression. But soon other emotions follow happiness into oblivion. Sadness as you had known it, your sense of humor, your belief in and capacity for love. Your mind is leached until you seem dim-witted even to yourself. If your hair has always been thin, it seems thinner. If you have always had bad skin, it gets worse. You smell sour even to yourself. You lose the ability to trust anyone, to be touched, to grieve. Eventually you are simply absent from yourself. Diagnosis is as complex as the illness. Patients ask doctors all the time, Am I depressed? As though the result were in a definitive blood test. The only way to find out whether you're depressed is to listen to and watch yourself to feel your feelings, and then think about them. If you feel bad without reason most of the time, you're depressed. If you feel bad most of the time with reason, you're also depressed, though changing the reasons may be a better way forward than leaving circumstance alone and attacking the depression. If the depression is disabling to you, then it's major. If it's only mildly distracting, it's not major. Psychiatry's Bible The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, 4th edition, DSM-4, ineptly defines depression as the presence of five or more on a list of nine symptoms. 
The problem with the definition is that it's entirely arbitrary. There's no particular reason to qualify five symptoms as constituting depression. Four symptoms are more or less depression, and five symptoms are less severe than six. Even one symptom is unpleasant. Illness of the mind is real illness. It can have severe effects on the body. People who show up at the offices of their doctors complaining about stomach cramps are frequently told, Why, there's nothing wrong with you except that you're depressed. If you show up complaining that your breathing is troubled, no one says to you, Why, there's nothing wrong with you except that you have emphysema. To the person who is experiencing them, psychosomatic complaints are as real as the stomach cramps of someone with food poisoning. They exist in the unconscious brain and often enough the brain is sending inappropriate messages to the stomach, so they exist there as well. Chemistry is often called on to heal the rift.